Welcome to episode 62 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Music or whatever podcast app you use and consider leaving a comment or rating. If you want to drop me a line, you can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. Sandra Shamus is one of Canada's most celebrated artists, performing stories mined from her own life since 1987. Her latest show, The Big What Now, runs until February 19th at the Fleck Dance Theatre in Toronto. In terms of uh, your, you're known as a solo performer, were you, you're always, like, you're always a solo performer. Uh, was that always a thing that you wanted to do? Like, I'm just curious. I didn't know I had a choice, to be okay. honest with you. <laughs> I didn't know, because okay. I, I was, I was compelled to tell my story okay. um, of my life. And I just, I couldn't understand mm. I couldn't have envisioned or imagined someone else telling it, or right. I again. Did you I, think of yourself as a as an actor? Did you think of yourself as a as a theater artist, a comedy artist? What was your like when you were uh, trying? If you had to define what you are, what what you do, hmm. uh, what realm does that sit in? I have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I I still call it the thing that it is that I do. Okay. I call it the thing that it is that I do, and. It's when uh, when people ask me, "Are you a comedian?" I say, mm. "If the audience laughs, mm. otherwise I'm a dramatist. Either way, I've done I've done my job, which right. is simply just to report back from wherever whatever stage of life I'm in mm-hmm. to an audience from the stage. Right. Like I've never called it theater, okay. I but I perform in a theater. I don't call it stand up, although I'm standing." Right. Um, it's certainly storytelling because I'm telling a story, mm-hmm. but I'm sort of, I want to create something bigger than just one little story. I'm trying to create, yeah. you know, I'm trying to span time, if you will. That, that impulse that you have to, to tell your story, the, mm. the story of, of your life, has that, when did that first, uh, were you always somebody who wanted to, who was open and telling their story like that? Or is that something that happened, was there an event that caused you to God. decide that you needed to tell the story. As you're t- as you're asking me that question, I'm thinking it's like it's like asking was there an event that made this diamond happen? This sort of thing. <laughs> it's like you know pressure, years, yeah. eons of pressure, and finally something crystallizes, mm-hmm. and it's not an expected thing, but it's sort of a, a, the dictate was very very clear right. that it was my job to stand on stage and tell the truth. Mm. Um, and I didn't see anybody else doing that. Mm-hmm. I did witness Lily Tomlin yes. stand on stage and perform, and that mentored me as to a single woman could command an audience. I'd never mm-hmm. seen that before. Right. But the you know the content was completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I mean, I was just it was a confluence of things, right. and it all happened around thirty. Right. So, and were you performing at all before that, or did, did was it just at thirty you felt the need? No, I had um, 
I had performed with Second City. I'd done theater sports. Um, I was doing little bits at the Rivoli, um, working with kids in the hall, and we'd share the space. And so I was sort of working up to it, but I honestly, I, I couldn't have imagined it sort of all coming together. Then somebody introduced me to this idea called The Fringe. Right. And said, well, you, you just pay your money, it takes your chances, they give you a venue and a... And a <laughs> oh, okay, sure, yeah. you know. Um, so I got in, and the first day that I got there, I saw, you know, I, I was just... I, I didn't know what I was doing. To be, I wrote the thing on the plane. On your plane? On the plane I, uh, Yeah, on the, the plane yeah. I wrote. Yeah, I had the title, but I didn't have the content. Huh. So I wrote it on a five-hour flight from Toronto to Edmonton. Wow, okay. And the, what was it like performing that the first time? Were you... It was astonishing. Yeah. I didn't know I could do that. Mm. I came off stage and I just like said to whoever was standing there, I didn't know I could do that. Like I literally... <laughs> it's like, oh my God. And I only had to do it like five more times. Right. Um, and the title was so catchy, everybody... Of like course. it sold out. That was, that was my boyfriend's back and was going to be laundry? Yeah. Of course that's like... You know, that's one of the most catchy titles I could think of, yeah. right? So, again, and, you know, the content was purely female, purely mm -hmm. one woman's take on what was going on in her life. Yeah. And, you know, of course, and I, you know, the story at that time was I was with somebody, then we broke up, then, you know, I was, I went to hell, and, you know, uh, you know, I itemize all of my, you know... Um, Coping mechanisms, you know, mm -hmm. alcohol, chocolate, mm -hmm. and uh, and that resonated with the audience, and yeah. so they just kept coming, basically. That first show, mm. you when you performed it next, or did it evolve during the Fringe, or did you uh, change it up? Or I got better it, at it, yeah. that's for sure. I got better at it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was also just sort of finding my footing. Mm -hmm. You know, I came back to Toronto, I had a product, I didn't know quite what to do with it, I... Um, I had uh, I approached a um, a theater um, that deals in um, exclusively in uh, uh, Canadian women. Like I was their mission statement. Mm -hmm. I really was everything that they espoused. Um, but I they didn't consider me theater because I didn't have a director and oh. I didn't have all the right. th the things. Well, and so I they wouldn't produce me. And uh, so I thought, well, I just need a, I just need a stage. Uh, so I called um, Factory Theater, mm -hmm. and I, call, I talked to the guy, Gerald is his name, Gerald Lunds. Um, and I said, hi, my name is Sandra. I'd like to rent a venue. <laughs> he said, sure, come on in. Yeah. And I sat down across from him, and I said, he said, how many... How many performances? I said, I think two weeks. He said, okay, that's going to be 1200 a week and you get a technician. And I wrote him a check for $2,400 and I had a venue. And then that was it. I went out and bought a spool of beer tickets because I didn't know about tickets and right. printing and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I just had somebody just fucking ripping them off and just like giving them that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then and women came, like, mm. in, you know. And it was it was amazing. Did, did you feel like at that point that you were... How you how you were selling the show was like you were fine, swimming in in a lack of knowledge, or did you did you have did you have a publicist at the time, or was it just 
just you trying to make it? Make well, it I was using the theater's publicist. Okay. They allowed me to use John Karastamatis, mm-hmm. um, who I ended up working with for years mm-hmm. after, just because he he was uh, sensitive to my proclivities. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, you know... Um, but again, it... I mean, he we we sent out what we did the first time is like we actually sent out Y front men's underwear with the press release, and uh, uh, even though um, they kept the underwear, many of those members of the media did not come. <laughs> so I was, I guess, mm-hmm. I was dressing men, and you know, uh, but some, but it didn't matter because the the audiences were coming. Right. Like, uh, like if publicity is uh, to bring in an audience. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the publicity, then the audience is still coming. Fuck well, publicity! Yeah, like exactly. I don't, yeah. you know. Uh, so that was that was the saving grace. My audience was my saving grace. And when you decided to work on your next show, yeah, did you was there? Did you start to find a, a writing method at the time? Did you have a? a did you find some way that you? That writing worked for you, or did you sit down and just write it in a similar way to your to you wrote the first one? Um, the first one is just a, a, like a collision of stories, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all ending with, you know, my boyfriend's back and there's going to be laundry. Right. The second was, you know, we, we by then we had bought a house. So it was sort of like, okay, so who am I vis-a-vis this house thing? I'm living with a man and we have a house and I have a mortgage. I tell mm-hmm. the story of buying a, a house in Toronto in 1987 and uh, the market was like blooming. Yeah. Uh, you know, we... Like, what does that look like? What does, a, like, sort of like foundational adulting mm-hmm. look like uh, when you don't know what the fuck you're doing? Uh, and, oh, we should live together. We have a mortgage. Wow, that's love, isn't it? Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was, like, so boyfriend's back, and the second was the cycle continues. Right. And then, of course, wedding bell hell was... It's like a no-brainer mm-hmm. at that point yeah. because the whole culture is telling you this is the best day of your life right. and here's the ways you're going to do that. And, of course, I, I had no money. I had no – I wasn't invested in that idea. Yeah. Uh, but as a culture, like that show ran the longest at the Winter Garden. That show ran 11 weeks, mm-hmm. like um, almost completely sold out at the Winter Garden. Well, that's pretty – that's – because of the culture, yeah. because of all the women who were get, like, we're all let's all get married. Yeah. It's like it's like the gap. We're let's be in chinos. Like every yeah. season, there's a thing, right? So yeah, the um, so we're like I was like the vein, like like tapping mm-hmm. into that vein was really amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. How how long ago was the wedding bell? How that was. Uh, I mean, not ninety-two. 90. No, I don't know. Ninety. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And you've ninety. Yeah. So I'm trying to think uh, in terms of your performance, how, how you've been performing shows. Um, you haven't been on the stage in a while. Am I right about that? I took eight years off yeah, um, between the last end of the last trilogy, mm-hmm. which was Love Life. Right. And then I took eight years off uh, because I was uh, postmenopausal mm-hmm. and I didn't have a memory. Okay. Uh, because hormonally, it, mm. it was you know being flushed into the. I think the Pacific Ocean was taking it actually. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't. I like physically wasn't reliable. Right. I couldn't. Uh, I also was doing some very interesting gyroscopic actions, like because uh, like hormones and balance and all of that. Ha- you know, I was like like hanging on to stuff. Right. Uh, um, 
sweating, bursting into, you know, basically, and just like, like, so the first show of the, um, wait a second, uh, no, I took eight years off between uh, Heart's Desire and um, uh, Love Life, because, mm-hmm. yeah, um, so I had to bring a fan on stage with me so I could have that and tell the audience, you know, I can't talk to you right now, my brain is being scrambled. Uh, but luckily, because I, I've grown up with my audience, everybody else was having the same response. Right. So, like, everybody was compassionate and empathetic. And, yeah. Um, so, but historically, yeah. they go about every four years. Okay. Like, that's about, about how long it takes. Is that about how long it takes for, for you to, to, to find a story? Or is that how long it takes for you to have gotten rid of one story having told it and then uh, uh, to have the new story to tell? There's an excavation process, yeah. right? It's sort of like, okay, what... What is what's happening right now? What, generally speaking, I kind of look at whatever the cultural dictate is, mm-hmm. and then I compare it to what is actually happening in my life, and then I use that conflict mm-hmm. to start knitting the show. Yeah. Um, and and the new show, yes, which is this which one. Is, this one is uh, what's the the cultural uh, thing that you're seeing that you wanted to? That you oh, wanted to the retirement. It was like I'm 59, and to, and tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, when I you know whatever day I turn 60, I'm supposed to retire. Yeah, and fuck knows what that is. Like I, I, I discovered a pamphlet at the at the um, shoppers, mm-hmm. and it's basically itemized the stages of life. So 20 to 30 education and career, 30 to 40 family and vocation, 40 to 50 was wealth management, and then 60 retire. And then there was no more paper, huh. like nothing, no plan, no nothing. And I was like, that can't be. Like, what? Come on, like we don't go, we don't do seventy, we don't do like, mm. come on. Yeah. Um, and that basically was the, you know, the match that got struck in terms of me being curious, going to my community, saying, you know, have you heard about this? Apparently, there's, you know, it ends. Yeah. And and finding out what each person, what that means to each person or mm. each. Well, group in my in my world, yeah. um, and then ultimately having to like swing back and find out what it means for me mm-hmm. particularly and how I'm going to maneuver that, and doesn't look like I'm going to retire. I don't want I don't want to ask about too much that's happening in the show because uh, uh, people obviously should see it. Yeah, but in terms of, is there anything that surprised you about what the stories that you were hearing from people about that? turning 60 in the retirement or yeah well a lot of people I found out uh, had jobs it turns <laughs> out and that they didn't I always think people just live like me right. you know put loose fancy free mm-hmm. chopping wood on a farm somewhere but they don't they have lives and they uh, are looking forward they've apparently been working for someone else for a very long time and they really get love to get the fuck away from those people um and but there's that weird like transition where it's like I need to feel like I am purpose have right. a purpose. Ooh, lucky me! I had children, and now they're having children, so I'm gonna ride the grandma train. Right. Yahoo! And that's not a solace to me. I didn't have children. I'm not gonna have grandchildren. Uh, so, like, so what? So what? Yeah. So what now? Right? Yeah. Like, how am I gonna how am I gonna maneuver this? Yeah. Um, so that was surpri- It was surprising mm-hmm. to me. It's one of those interesting questions. I've been thinking about about it a bit myself lately as I watch my my parents. They retired a few years ago. Yeah. And I look at people around me and I'm thinking, um, so retirement is supposed to be the reward that you get for working a shitty job for, for like 40 years? Okay. And 
why are we working a shitty job for 40 years? Well, like, I'm more yeah. curious as to why now you're on your own recognizance. You're not out there like kicking the shit out of something. Well, that's, like you're not starting fires and I, doing crimes. I'm like I just, this is what I want to know. Yeah. It's like, why, why aren't you in jail? Why aren't you calling me to throw bail? Like, I, <laughs> like why aren't we just fucking going at this thing? Like, if there, we've got 30 years, let's fucking go at it. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my own mother sitting what I call command central. Uh-huh. She's got her Kleenex, her remotes, her glasses, you know, her tiny, gla- like her tiny little garbage can, you know, the phone, mm-hmm. the lamp, her, her, you know, she can't, just like in an area, you know. Like, if she ostensibly dies there, but she's been there for years, you know, she gets up out of bed, goes to the chair and sits there all day. Like, this is not how I envision my life. No. I have no interest in that whatsoever. No. Anyway, so that's just me. But, I mean, maybe I'm just too, um, maybe I'm too rebellious, but there's no fucking way I want to do that. That's not my life. I don't, I, I, I sort of think that more and more people don't want to do that. Like, why are they working for a shitty boss? And why are they in a shitty job yeah. that they that they don't want to be in? Um, yeah. Until they get to spend like the last years of their life when they, right? I don't know, like right when it's the command central or, or doing well, what they the, wanted to do. I I looked into I did the research that I did says that you know the average age of someone who retires at sixty mm-hmm. is. Uh, like uh, is 18 years like you live another 18 years so 78 right so you got 18 years right so I looked at my life and I looked at how many years I have taken off in between shows and it kind of fucking adds up to 18 <laughs> so I've been like retiring occasionally right. I'm occasionally retired mm. so this is not you know I work I coast I work I coast mm-hmm. so and then I it, then I just live my life like I'm not actually you know trying to live a life that is extraordinary. I'm just trying to live a life that is authentic to me. And then eventually I will find stories within that authenticity to relate to an audience. So this is no time for me to stop doing that. This is no time for me to, um, I don't know, just, uh, it's not, I don't even have an imagination big enough right now to tell you what I should be doing. But it's not going to be that. Mm. When you're living that that life that's not the performing mm. life, when you're in those four years between shows, yeah. what does that authentic like life look like for you? I live on a farm. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you? Is it a? Is it a uh, chickens and goats farm? Is it was it a, a chickens and goats okay. farm, and as you know, if you know anything about livestock, eventually you'll have dead stock. Mm-hmm. So I had a weasel infestation. Mm. It's not every day a woman gets to say that. And, no, that's uh, true. Uh, I, you know, I had to, I had to Google. Uh, I came out of the barn because I went in to see headless, a headless chicken, a chicken that had its head yesterday, but surprisingly did not today. Mm-hmm. So when I went back into the house, I only had uh, this, and I Googled headless chicken, and the first hit was, no, you're a predator mm. by the carcass. Uh, so that was some good reading there. Yeah. And it turns out it's Weasel. Right. Weasel takes the head and leaves the carcass. Okay. And uh, what I realized was I couldn't protect my chickens mm-hmm. anymore, so I gave them away. Did you then go out? Did, are you a uh, corn, wheat, bean farmer? Or do you corn, just wheat, like, live bean. On corn, wheat, bean? Oh, no, uh, hay. Hay. Mostly okay. 25 acres in hay. Mm-hmm. Uh not touched by chemical in the entire time I've lived there. I have a I have a, a a massive garden that's about I don't know by now it's like 
I don't know, 100 by 100 mm -hmm. feet. Um, and I just plant everything there. Like I plant, I'm like when I'm when I'm choosing seeds from the catalogs that are coming in right now. I'm ostensibly doing my grocery shopping for the next six right. months. I ask because my girlfriend's fan comes from a farm, and they used to do animals. And then her dad figured that animals were he was getting too old for. Mm. They did emu, and you know if there's oh ever God. a problem with an emu, you have to chase it down it's to huge. hold it for the vet. So he yeah, was like no, it's too old bad. For that shit. So now they are, and they're uh, mean if they yeah. Yeah. So now they're mean. bean bean corn wheat is their cycle through right. the year. Yeah, that yeah, mm -hmm. you just need equipment for that. Yeah, you know to harvest and yeah. do that. Um, and then when you're writing, mm. um, I mean, for me, I always write, I go away to write because I, mm. I, I like don't write at home because I don't have an office. So my living room is where I write. So I'll go to Artscape on Toronto Island or I'll go away for a little while. Do you uh, write at home? Do you have a spot yeah. that you write in? Or well, the whole place wherever? is like Artscape. It's right. like the whole place is like Toronto Island, mm. right? Yeah. So I just just move from one room to the other like, like, yeah. but I'm writing always like I'm, mm. I'm paying I'm paying attention I'm paying attention to how I am perceiving something um, so and then that usually that usually fuels it mm. uh, and, and if I get a central like if I get a central story then other stories start attaching themselves mm. um, the first story that came together for this show uh, is a story I call the family fuck up mm -hmm. Um, it came as a result of being at a um, um, an, a social event, and all the all the people there were coupled off, and uh, the men had gotten up to get the ladies drinks. Mm -hmm. It was at a legion, as you can imagine, because mm -hmm. we're Canadian. And um, the woman next to me grabs my arm and says, "Now, where's your husband?" And I said, "Oh, I I think he's with his wife, actually." <laughs> <laughs> and the women all enjoyed that. And she says, oh, pretty girl, like, are you not married? Mm. I said, I know, right? Like, what's going on? And everybody chuckles, right? The woman who is sitting right beside her kind of leans around and goes, so what do you do all day? This is from a mindset that a, a man, like your husband, is a job. Right. And that's how she perceives it. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, hit the ground running, getting breakfast, making the bed, cleaning up the bathroom after he's had a shower. I don't make sure the kids have their lunches. I'm not doing, you know, I'm not picking up the dry cleaning and making dinner and like, what the fuck do I do mm. all goddamn day? And she really wanted to know. And I, 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 I like, I said, well, I don't know, but it takes me all day to do it. That's <laughs> like an answer. And so that was the story. Yeah. And that just, that, like it started this whole way of thinking about being a partner what does that mean now at this stage of my life you know like because uh, it doesn't mean the same as it ever meant ever uh and i have no mentoring like right. i have no mentoring most of the women i know that are my age have been married for a fucking eon right. and are like i am not retiring because i'm not staying home with that man like they are just <laughs> hanging on yeah. to the last vestige of work mm -hmm. for them you know, I love my community. I like going out with the girls on Friday. Like, you know, yeah. he can putter at home in the garage. Like, they really and and actually, that's part of the uh, reasoning behind the you know the increased divorce rate of mm -hmm. uh, people in their fifties and sixties. Is the idea is not wanting to spend yeah every hour of the day together? Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. I can't tell you how many women I have heard say, "He's driving me crazy." He comes yeah. in and he just he's like a teenager. He just leaves this like. 
you know, she cleans the house, right? right? Because that's her power base. And he just comes in and just leads like a fucking debris field behind him, you know? And he totally expects her to do all of that all over again. What's sad is he probably doesn't even realize he's doing it. That is sad. He's like putting down this, putting down that. He's used to having her do it. And he's not even thinking about it. I know. It's sad. And she's like, you know what? I fucking had it with you. (laughs) You know? I fucking had it. And yeah. yeah. And that's why the divorce rate goes up. Yeah. In, in closing, because we're almost out of time, yeah. um, I just want to ask, there's a question a friend of mine uh, uh, was wondering, if there was a, something that you wish that you could go back and tell yourself, your 25-year-old self, years ago? Oh, <laughs> I'd wait till I was sober. <laughs> That's the first thing I would do, because she did love to drink, God love her. Um, and and in what respect? Like know, just as like a like shoot a flare her? back and is like it, yeah, is there like some kind of warning, some something you would want her to know that might uh, I don't know lead her away from something? Was there is there one piece of advice that you could give to 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 young Sandra? I don't know. I'm just uh, I've never I'm not much on the past. Like mm-hmm. I'm not much for it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty content that mm-hmm. whatever I did and however I did it brought me to this moment. So. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to change this moment, mm. I, you know, uh, and who I am in this moment. I, yeah. um, I think I've, I've always been very grateful for my curiosity uh, and that rebelliousness that's behind it. Mm. Um, yeah, it just it just has served me so well, right. uh, even though at you know at twenty five. Um, yeah, no, I was just high most of the time. <laughs> well, that's that's fair. I thought yeah. so too. You know, <laughs> like I just, you know, you work. Some of the money goes for rent. Some of the money goes for like uh, a decent chunk of hash, and then, you know, that's how you live your life. Well, yeah. It was good at the time. Yeah. You know, I had nowhere to be. Well, thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> that's great. Thanks so much. You're this welcome. Has been, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much.